From those in the know to those who need to know, this is the Indie Weekly Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Indie Weekly Podcast. So today's conversation is all about practical financial advice for artists. The special guest was none other than Jay Gold. If you work in Canada's music industry on a you know a professional level, you probably know Jay. He's now retired as an accountant, but he was one of, if not the leading accountant in Canada's music and wider entertainment industries. And he's still working in business and tour management and consulting. Needless to say, he's probably the premier expert here in terms of making money, saving money, investing money as like an artist, artist manager, record label, and so on. And he's also just a hell of a nice guy who loves sharing information and helping people and helping artists especially. So this is a great conversation. It was held during one of our Indie Weekly webinars earlier this year. The host, as usual, is Daryl Hurz, Indie Week's founder. So that's coming up in just a minute. But before we get to this week's conversation, we first have to acknowledge that the land on which Indie Week is based is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, Wendat, Ashinaabe, Métis, and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. We must also thank our sponsors and funders. Those are Slate Music, CD Baby, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, The City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, SEMA, SOCAN Foundation, and our newest sponsor, Cox & Palmer who provide legal services in Atlanta, Canada. We also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. Without the support of all of them, we couldn't do the work that we do for the music community. So a big, big thank you to all those companies, organizations, and government bodies. All right, let's get to this week's conversation. I got to say, I'm always excited to talk to Jay because I always learn stuff. and. Um, I have this sort of thing where I like money and, and uh, Jay helps us out in how do we save money? How do we make money? How do we avoid making the dumb mistakes that we all know we make at times? Uh, so Jay, um, if you can uh, unmute and uh, first tell us a little bit about yourself. So, so everybody here knows who you are, what you've done. Okay. I'm unmuted. You can hear me fine. Yes. All right. So um, I am a retired uh, accountant, and I have the top degrees in the country, the CPA degree uh, and the CFA certified fraud examiner degree. So that when people got ripped off in the entertainment, we helped the lawyer get the bad guy, you know, how much was stolen, how it was stolen. Um, I did a little bit of that work, but I was mainly a, a CPA certified public accountant with a public accounting practice until I retired. And in my retirement, I'm trying to do a little bit of... Uh, teaching, but at the same time, I am doing artist business management, which is not public accounting. It's, it's, it's helping an artist, you know, run their business so that at the end of the year, the accountant does get the right stuff uh, uh, to, to help out do the final tax returns and filings. And so I'm doing artist business management and some tour management, um, live touring. Uh, I'm working with Andy Kim doing tour management and he's become a pretty good friend. And you know, we don't use the term um, an oldies act. He's a legendary act. And uh, there's, there's, there's still a market for someone like Andy with the 
top 10 hits that he did have. And so that's fun for me as a retired accountant who did do a, a lot of work with Andy to, in my retirement, uh, do some tour managing and take him through casinos. And, and I co-produce his annual uh, Christmas charity event. Uh, we've been doing it for about 18 years. Uh, we now at Massey Hall raising money for CAMH every year. And then we tour manage the, the, the uh, show to Montreal. This is all in every December. And we raise money for the children's, uh, uh, the children's hospitals in, in Montreal. And so the, you know, he and his, uh, you know, um, at his age and me at my age, we're giving back as much as we can, raising money when we can for charities. And that's one of the things we found that I gave advice to all uh, music acts as I'd have someone sitting across from my desk to have a charitable aspect to their business somehow so that people know, you know, yes, you're in it for yourselves, you can make a living, but you're always thinking of, of the less fortunate or whatever. So you always have a little charitable aspect to uh, to your to your business. And that that's, I guess I'm living and breathing that now, I'm not making any any uh, much money because I've done that. Now I'm giving back and, and helping with education and uh, and and uh, helping young artists with business uh, artist business management ideas so that they don't mess up. The idea is to be proactive as best you can in all the different areas of your business, including how you're you're running the business. Now, you got to remember, if you love playing, you better be in love with business because it's show business. The business is in front of the curtain. The, the, so the show's in front of the curtain, the business behind it, you got to take care of the business. That show won't keep happening. So that's why, um, you know, uh, artists have to understand that they can be those, uh, the music people and provide music for the world, but they're running a business. They got to take care of themselves, you know, as, as well. I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, it is a music business. And um, I, I feel we are sort of in this age where artists are really doing more of all the hats of running a music business by themselves, much more than when I was coming up because there, there seemed to be kind of more of a system in play uh, and, and easier to build teams where, where now I just find a lot of artists are doing it themselves and often basing decisions on opinions rather than research sometimes. So, Jay, to get started. Uh, oh, I just wanted to mention one more thing so we don't sure. confuse. I know in the ads for this session, you mentioned me as an accountant, which means people would think I'm a public accountant looking for clients. I don't want to confuse the marketplace. So I'm not in public accounting right now. Might change next year when my non-compete is over with the firm that I sold my practice to. But, but right now, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm available as artist business management and tour management and consulting in the music industry. But, um, and I can uh, you know, recommend how to find that proper accountant because we always recommend your year-end accountant and the accountant in your life should be an industry-specific account that understands how money flows from the creators of music, knows what deductions uh, there are for you, because there are special deductions uh, for artists and musicians and singer-songwriters that other businesses don't have. And, uh, you know, you might get the wrong advice if the accountant tells you, oh, yeah, restaurant meals, that's 50% deduction. Well, not if it's studio catering when you're making an album, that's a hundred percent deduction. So there's, there, there's a big difference in that situation. Also, you know, a, a normal or regular accountant that's not used to music clients might say, you know, here's a list of expenses. 
uh, that if you incur, you know, these expenses, you know, they may be a write-off, a deduction, which helps lower your taxes and increase your wealth. Well, our attitude was always to tell clients, guess what? You're living and breathing your career day and night. Your life is a write-off. Every time you spend money, but within the tax act, we want to take a deduction. And then we add back personal percentages. We don't deduct 100% of cell phone, internet, or, or car, because we admit there's personal portions to that. So we're not pigs about things, but we, we had that attitude to, to write their life off when they spent money if, if we could fit it into the income tax act. So that's why you need an industry-specific accountant to help you in the end keep the taxes lower, which in the end helps you increase your wealth or have ex extra money for whatever needs there might be, whether it's to put back into your music business or to feed the baby. Right. And I, uh, okay. That kind of leads into like, say first question, which is, uh, you know, like if we're talking some practical tips and strategies for managing finances, especially for anyone looking to set things up, but also I was guilty. I've set things up, but I, oh, I set it up incorrectly. And now I got to backtrack a bit. And I, I think I'm not the only one in the music industry who may have done that. Uh, but what are some of the tips that could get people started? Yeah, so that reminds me of the, of the situation where a, um, a person is not wanting to spend money on an accountant when they open up their fruit and vegetable stand just to help them price properly so they make the right profit. And if they do that, for years, they're making the right markup and the right profit. If they're not getting the account to help them, they're not too sure how to price things and they, they suffer. So that's why it's important to get an accountant, you know, to help you proactively just as you're getting into business. So, uh, you know, a main tip for managing your finances, well, let's put it this way. Managing your finances means you've done two things. Number one, you're surviving daily, weekly, and monthly because you're managing your finances and you're, you're building for your retirement so that eventually you can retire. Oh, I guess I managed my finances pretty good. I live day to day. And I saved up for retirement and here I am, you know, retired and the retirement for a singer songwriter, there's all different, you know, pictures that could look like if you're a big writer, then you're going to retire on your royalties or sell your catalog, you know, but, but you still have to, um, you know, manage your finances for survival. So how do you do that? Well, there's, that's, that's like, that's like a massive question. How do I manage my finances? Well, you got to run the business properly. Well, that's 50 topics from banking and the business organization, saving receipts and when do you go you know, paperless? So we can start at the beginning, the basic business model, you have to figure out, am I an employee of this music company where I'm writing songs and I'm just on a T4 slip and they're paying me and they own all the songs that I write? Or more typically you see three things, you're a sole proprietor, you're a member of a partnership or you're incorporated. So the accountant at the beginning will help you decide how you should be operating and typically you don't incorporate for a while and the general rule would be oh if you're making more money than you need to live on maybe it's time to incorporate because corporations have a low tax rate if you don't need all that money let it get taxed at a nice low rate use that money in the business to do recordings and whatever you're doing in the music business and then when it's time to get the money out you can pay it cheaply by way of dividends where you get credit on your personal tax return for the fact that the company already paid some tax on that money. Now, just so you see the difference in tax rates, at $220,000 of earned income in, in Ontario, you're, you're personally at the 53% tax bracket. 
uh, a corporation, the taxes on the first 500,000 of profit are only at about 13%. Now that's a massive difference, 13% to 53%. Now eventually, if you take the money out, you'll pay that difference and you will have paid you know, you know, high rates, but tax deferral is tax planning. So the idea if you incorporate is to defer the taxes on this income, just pay this low corporate tax, then run your business, use that money. And when you take the money out, you'll have, you know, later in the years, you'll, you'll, you'll pay more taxes. Um, so the first thing is figure out what's the business model I should be operating under. Um, the, and, and then once you're operating, you have to figure out, well, how do I take money out of my business? Now, if you're a sole proprietorship, if you made a hundred dollars profit, you know, on your tax return, there'll be a little business statement. Here's my income. Here's all my expenses. Oh, there's my profit, a hundred dollars. Whether you, that $100 is still sitting in the bank account or you've taken it out and used it for something, um, that's still, you're still going to get taxed on that $100. Um, so people have to remember that, oh, I got to leave it in the bank. No, it's, uh, you're going to get taxed on your profit whether you're taking it out or not. In a corporation, there's three ways to take money out of a corporation once you've made that decision and you've incorporated. Um, if you've loaned money into your corporation just to get it started, or because it needs it for cash flow. Um, when you can take that money back, that's tax-free. That's just repaying the shareholder loan. So that's the first way to get money out of your company if it owes you money. And um, if you've spent money on behalf of the business, but you did it personally, a journal entry in the books would be credit due to shareholder, we owe you this money, and debit and asset or debit different expenses getting that into the books. So that's another way to create shareholder loan. If you're spending money personally on behalf of the company, you gotta get that into the, into the books with your bookkeeper's uh, adjusting entry. Now the other, so that's the first way to get money out of the company that's tax-free. And if that doesn't exist, which typically after the first year or two, maybe you don't have that anymore, it's either salaries or dividends. And that's the only way you can take money out of the company. In the old days, people would take money out of their company and just call it consulting fee expense in the company and consulting fee income on their tax return and pay taxes on it. That would be fine, but many people cheated because there's no tax slip behind it. They could take out $50,000 and, and report something less on their tax return. So the government decided dividends or wages. Now there's a T4 slip or a T5 slip. So the T4 slip means you're on payroll with your company. So your accountant would figure out based on a budget, how much money do you need in your personal bank account every month to meet your personal needs. And let's say it's $5,000. Well, the accountant will gross it up. Okay, that probably means 7,000 before tax, take off the taxes and here's the 5,000 left. So uh, a good um, entertainment accountant knows that the musician uh, doesn't really, um, that side of the brain maybe isn't working so strong that they're not in account. So we, we used to hand them a chart. Here's the payroll chart. Here's what you pay yourself each month and the 15th of each month, starting with uh, February 15th for January, here's what you send into the government. And that way the tax and the CPP are taken off. There's no EI because you can't fire yourself and go on EI. So when you're on your own employer, um, uh, your company, when you own your own company and you're an employee, you can't take off EI. Um, so uh, so uh, you would take off tax and CPP and send it in each month. So it's very simple. What does this now songwriter do with regards to the payroll? Um, uh, the administration of his payroll, just follow the chart, pay himself each month or herself. And, um, and, and then, yeah, this is just for incorporations because, uh, if you're, if you're not incorporated, the bottom line is your income. 
But if you're incorporated, you, the only way to pay yourself would be uh, the dividends, which is tax paid profits being distributed, but mainly uh, payroll coming out to you. And that's based on uh, how much you need to live. So the idea is only take out of your company what you need to live on, let the rest build there and be used in the business. Awesome. Sorry, I was just moderating the chat there. Um, and and there's, there's actually something you said reminded me of a video I saw earlier today. It was Justin Hawkins. I, I'm stuck on watching his channel, Justin Hawkins Rides Again on YouTube. And he had Steel Panther Singer as a guest. And he talked about how um, they've changed their names many times because they had to reestablish business. At, like they were metal school, metal rules, another name, and then Steel Panther. And he's like, it took us that many times to get it right. Uh, so um, if they're not set up correctly, Jay, is it like you have to create a different brand sometimes to clean it up? Like what, what are some of the uh, steps on if you made that mistake on, oops, I didn't that's set like, up correctly. That's like an Eric Alper question, right? Because it's all <laughs> about publicity and promotion and marketing. And who am I and who are we? Now, if you're a corporation, you can change the name with an Articles of Amendment, uh, do a little name search. And if no one's got that name, you just keep changing it anytime you want. But the corporation stays the same. The number of shareholders stays the same. Your year end stays the same. Nothing else has to change if you're changing the name. Um, now, if you are operating as a partnership or as a sole proprietor and, and you're doing it under not just your own personal name, but a, an operating name, like the name of a band, um, Music Makers Anonymous, um, then you're supposed to get a master business license and register that name with the government. It means nothing by way of tax filings or anything else, but now you can go to the bank and open a bank account in the name of that business, whether it's a partnership operating as a certain band name or you yourself. But if you want to be known as that band name, it'd be nice if the bank account and your checks, everything had that name on it. And that's the need for that master business license, uh, which you get online in Ontario with uh, the Ontario government. And I know we've got people from the States and Spain and all over the world. So uh, a lot of what we talk about, like we talk about HST and GST, that's Canada specific and Ontario specific. You know, if it's 13%, other provinces might be 5% uh, because they don't have any HST, like the oil rich provinces still just have the basic 5% GST. They never had any sales tax. <clears throat> Time to move to Alberta, maybe. Um, <laughs> so, so we've all been through a lot of upheaval and such over the last few years. And it's, it's almost a, a time to maybe reevaluate as we're kind of like coming out of this COVID stuff. And like, this is a great time actually to really go, here's what we're doing moving forward in a sense of profitability. And, and I think that, uh, you know, it, it's, I talked to a lot of people and you're right with how you mentioned about how to price something so that there's profit to be left over. That's a huge mistake, but let's talk a bit about, you know, profit because I find people really drastically underprice items at times. It doesn't include costs, taxes, insurance, fees, and all that kind of stuff. And there's nothing left in the bank when it's all said and done sometimes. So uh, let's, let's talk about like how to move towards profitability. Well, you know, sometimes it's the marketplace. So um, 
I think things have changed in the merch area in that it's acceptable now to charge $40 or $55 for a pretty cheaply made t-shirt, uh, you know, cause there's inflation and prices have just popped up. So you can, you, you have to be able to charge whatever the marketplace says you get for these things. And hopefully you can source it so that your manufacturing costs are as little as possible and, and you can make that profit. So um, when I talked about having the proper accountant, in the whole area of merchandising or even pricing yourself out as a session musician where you're not too sure what people charge, you know, uh, uh, Google is, your, is a very good friend to everybody because we're adults so we can Google anything, but uh, an experienced cost account or accountant that, um, that understands the business and the industry and has all kinds of music clients is the one to turn to saying, here's my problem and I wanna make the profit on this. And you go to the experts and it's the old idea of use the right person uh, for the right job so you do stuff for yourself as best as you can but soon into starting to be successful you'll need that bookkeeper you'll need that year-end accountant to continually help you with questions like this and at times although you don't just hire a lawyer and have them there but i made it a policy of never signing anything unless my lawyer had a quick look at it and i've told our clients over the years until i retired um uh, you know, I wouldn't sign a thing without the lawyer looking at it and let the accountant look at that accounting paragraph because every agreement, typically you need the audit provisions in there. You want to know when are my statements coming? When do I get my royalties? Not every five years, thank you. I'd like it every six months, you know. So the accountant and the lawyer are your partners on, on the, any agreements because you are not a lawyer. You're not an accountant. You're, you're a specialist in something else. And so you need the right person at the right, right time. I don't know if I hope that is answering the question. Um, now, to stay on, 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 um, on track, it's the world of budgets. In other words, um, to create wealth, you have to be proactive with your cash flow. So first, you have to have cash flow, and that's why you have the seminar, How to Make Money in the Music Business. But once it starts to flow, then, then you've got budgets because you've got your personal life with children, a roof over your head and a home and food and camp for the kids and all these, and, and maybe some charitable donations, birthday presents for family and friends. There's a whole pile of personal things you got to cover off. And we made our clients do a budget to see how much do you need every month personally. And that helped us design the payroll. We know how much to take out of the company for payroll because we did a budget. Here's how much they needed for personal. And uh, there's other two budgets are, are the business, like music creation, like running your business, uh, where it's the internet and cell phone. These are the costs of running a business. It's a list of 30, 40, 50 expenses where a bunch of them, everybody you know, experiences. And then the third budget area is you wanna save for, um, save and invest. So you can, uh, and having an emergency fund, uh, which is very important, but saving and investing, it means, uh, and it's part of the wealth creation, every month, once you've met with your accountant and you've set this kind of thing up, you should be putting a little bit of money into an RRSP with an investment advisor and a little bit of money um, with, uh, into a, a tax-free savings account with the investment advisor. Uh, and the idea is that in five or 10 years, you're so happy you listen to Jay and that investment advisor because you've got you're making interest and dividends from your investments. You've got an RSP where if it's time to buy a house, there's a very nice home buyer's plan where you can take the money out of your RSP, which normally you can't do it tax-free, but you could do it if you need to buy a house. So the government was seeing people building up RSPs for retirement, but they had no money for a home. 
So they finally changed the rules and allowed you to take money out for that first time home buyer. So the idea is to, uh, once you're making money, is to make sure you're budgeting, not, um, not uh, spending money needlessly. In other words, quite often I've seen that the outflows increase to meet the inflows. So a person starts to do better and better, they just start blowing money, going to fancier restaurants. You can't do that because, you know, a person that makes $500 or a million dollars and spends it all, they're the same at the end of the day. Each one of those guys has no money. So, you, you know, it doesn't matter how successful you were if you're going to spend it all. So the key, and, and that's what another thing that the uh, artist business manager can help with or the year-end accountant can help with is, is just doing this budgeting and having it on paper, reviewing it daily, weekly, or monthly, and trying to stay uh, on track. It's, it's th- things are very fluid and it changes all the time. So a budget is a budget until your rent changes or you have another baby and now your food costs have changed or, or, or and that kind of thing. So uh, it's key to be living on budgets and having uh, the business organized, which is how you help make money and don't blow money. Uh, and so there's a whole pile of topics to go over how to run that business properly. And we've talked a little bit about it. You can go paperless these days. Uh, if you use QuickBooks online, you can just scan restaurant receipts. And, and so you can go paperless with your accountant's help and your bookkeeper's help. You can do your part of things and, and the bookkeepers and, and the accounts can do their, their part of things. But you can save money by doing little bits yourself, of course. Um, uh, so taking money out of the company, like we talked about, do it based on your, your accountant's advice of how to do it properly. And every point we're talking about today helps you increase your wealth because you're going to be doing something a little more properly. If I can add a couple things, Jay, uh, this is great advice to everybody. And uh, um, great to see people contributing in the chat. Um, one thing, like, again, I'm trying to always add a little bit of perspective. Like, so Snow was a really well-known Canadian artist. Uh, and he's now, I believe, if I'm correct, real estate is a big thing with it. Like, he's he's doing real estate in Florida. So he made a lot of money. Yes, reinvested in his career, but he also went and said, I'm investing for my future and started buying properties. Um, so is that part of that building wealth is like, well, here's the money and I'm going to go, this runs my business. Here's my cash flow part of my business. And now I'm going to also have this other uh, asp- like this other sector of my money to make more money in the future. Well, just remember, the power of real estate is unbelievable. So I'm a big believer in what's happened in the last 20 years was um, any good investment advisor should not be taking all your money to invest away. You should also buy a building lot in Pickering 10 years ago or buy a little cottage and just rent it out 15 years ago up near Wasega Beach. And, And with what's happened to real estate, those people are laughing now. Anybody that's had a house, their own home and had to retire you got a million dollars sitting there. Typically, you know, you could sell it and just be renting a smaller place and be living off that money. So the power, I'm always a big believer if you're using that example of real estate as part of your investment portfolio. Yes. And the reason we put clients on budgets is to help them save towards a down payment to stop throwing, uh, you know, rent money out the window. You're just helping someone else buy that place. So if you can save and save, get a down payment, that was one of the goals we had for most of our clients is to, to stop paying rent and get into your own real estate. Right, right. And, and just another uh, trivia fact with Snow, he was in jail 
when his songs started getting played on the radio and, and became a hit. So he literally started from an area that, you know, was compromised and such, but uh, he, he built a really successful career. Uh, so anybody can do this is what I'm saying. Anybody. Um, all right. So Jay, and I'm going to get- anyone can do it, but you got to think outside the box. You got to yes. think outside the box. And how do you do that? Well, the, these, and I'm learning about the music industry every day, like everybody else is, because guess what? It's changing by the minute. Talk about this AI stuff. I don't even know how you can have colleges and universities anymore and people handing in essays. I, I don't know. How, I don't know how the world's going, but this AI stuff, it's, it's hitting everything, including the music industry, as we know. But to think outside the box. Well, I've learned that albums aren't the big deal. Constantly release singles if you can to all the streaming services. Um, experiment with new styles is thinking outside the box. Certainly, especially if you haven't done it at all, start doing co-writing, especially with people that possibly are not your type of music. Um, and, um, and get influenced by poetry or newspaper stories or other things. And that's all thinking outside of the box instead of just sitting down and saying, I'm gonna write another song about my dead grandmother. You know, now that's been done. Let's think about something else now. All right. Uh, hey, Jay, there's a whole bunch of questions. Uh, yeah, let's do those questions because it's that's how we can best help people because I could go on about stuff that I know is important to them, but these questions are good. Yeah, there's there's a lot here, and I'm going to try to summarize best as I can. And hey, Carmen, Carmen Toth is here. Hey, Carmen, haven't seen you in a long time. Carmen. Uh, yes, and she does say hi. Um, can you claim stage costumes? What category would those go under? How about monthly Spotify memberships? I would maybe say like online memberships. Uh, and what about hey. concert tickets? Are those ever eligible? Okay, so I've got a great answer. If an, if an expense is incurred in order to earn income or try to earn income, that matching concept, then it's a deduction. So everything you just mentioned, yes, it's not buying, you know, breakfast cereal for your kid. It's Spotify. This is your business you're running. Stage clothing and costuming. Well, the general rule is, you know, clothes are not deductible unless you spot it's a costume. You bought it specifically for stage. Now, I remember doing the tax returns, uh, the tax return for a very smart comedian that just did very smart political humor. And he he wouldn't own a, 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 a suit if you paid him to own and wear a suit, but his stage costume was that suit. We wrote the suit off, he got audited, we explained the situation, we, we won the audit, because for him, that was a costume. So out of all our rock and rollers, all these bands that we took care of, obviously there's a lot of clothing that can be worn Saturday night to a party, but also at the gig. And so we would take maybe 50% of clothing which is a bit aggressive and we wrote it off. And in the last 20 years, we never got audited. Right. And uh, I remember when I was on the road, I would buy guitar mags and that was research. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Going so to live theater, movies, uh, all that is research. Um, any cabling costs to get stuff, you know, streamed into your home. We take a good part of it as, as research because, you know, when you think of the, the music industry and I always like to point this out, that's the music industry. Okay, that's a nice entertainment thing. Think of these other um, entertainment industries, movies, uh, um, you have TV, you have cartoons, you have video games, you have commercials. Guess what? Our industry, music, is in every one of those. So we're winners. 
We, we are, we're in the video game business. We're in the movie business. We're in the television business. We're in the commercial business. We're in the cartoon business. So that's really good. We don't just have this little, I got to write a song and I got to get it on Apple or Spotify. No, I got to get a music supervisor and just my stuff because the whole world's waiting for my, my music in all these different areas. Yep. Everything is research. How to... I'm listening to know how I could do better. I'm watching to think, could I place music here? That's that's how I looked at it. Uh, there's a really good question from Ivan. Uh, those investment and in emergency savings we're talking about, is that ha uh, for having them under the company name? Okay, so before you're incorporated, there is no company. That's just you. You might be operating on a business name, but it's just you. So if you have a, a savings account and every month you put in $200, you've done it for 10 years, that's just in your name and that's fine. Um, once you're incorporated, I guess uh, a, a corporation, it, it too can have emergency account because it, it, the corporation might be such that it, it has studios or offices and pays rent. It might have an employee or two and you could come, oh, something could happen like a world pandemic. Oh boy. And, and uh, uh, the inflows have dropped off but you still got to pay rent you got an employee you got to worry about and other fixed expenses internet and cell phone and things that keep happening so yes no matter what form of organization you have i would suggest an emergency savings account for something like that uh, and a corporation or you personally could roll a gic or a term deposit and just keep adding to it as it renews so that you're also earning a little bit of interest on your emergency savings account let your money work towards more money um, there's, there's a question from Jimmy that's similar to what we've already answered, but I'm going to frame it a little bit differently. Uh, and she, and they're talking about, uh, if an artist recorded, published some songs from their home studio with equipment, purchased virtual funds. Yes, you can claim that we know that. Uh, but now opening an actual business, now that income may show up, can you kind of deduct stuff that you've already bought brought, like prior to actually establishing the business? If, um, if you've never deducted it in a business before, then it is still deductible. The trick we used to do is when we had a client really just deciding, okay, this is no longer a hobby. I'm now going to be in the music business. Whether they incorporate or don't incorporate, we have them list all their equipment, uh, guitars, um, a recording studio equipment, uh, expenses where they spent, but they still have like five still uh, five new sets of strings are still in the box on the shelf. So, and we and we call it startup costs. So we do a journal entry into the books, whether it's a sole proprietorship, partnership, or a corporation, and we will debit the asset or debit the expense. So the business now has the benefit of that. Instead of crediting bank because we're buying it, oh, credit due to the owner or the shareholder because he paid for all this on behalf of the company. And then we finally started up the company. So it's a little aggressive, but we never had a problem with it. And we got all the things that you're talking about finally expensed because the business was more formalized. The, the industry specific accountant had this advice hopefully and said, okay, put a list together. What do we got? We're rolling it into the company. We're going to expense it all and the company. And now you can take tax-free money out of the company uh, or, 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 or out of the business because because it's just of that loan that's paying you back. It's not income to you personally. Right. Uh, and, and I've done some of that in the past too. Um, wow. Uh, Got to say, Jay, you're, uh, as a 
That's really good. It's Mary said you're dropping gems here. Uh, definitely <laughs> worth the price of entry, I got to say. That um, price, that high price. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm just trying to scroll through. Uh, this one's kind of interesting too. This one's from Devin. A down payment is one thing, but how do you get a mortgage as a musician or a sole proprietor? Yeah, so that that's the part of the topic of um, when do you quit your day job? Now, most people have costs. If they're not living with their parents still, which is advisable as you're saving money or making an album, don't move out yet. It's saving you rent and, and maybe you can help a little bit with the food costs, but it's great to stay at home if you can a little bit longer. <clears throat> but, um, you know, so if you have a day job and you're making somewhere between $25,000 and $100,000 a year, that's the start of being able to qualify for a mortgage, although you won't do it at $25,000, obviously. So, um, you know, and when you quit your day job, that's, that's it's when you can replace that cash flow from royalties and performing and your music business. But um, I know, I, I guess it, it shows that I'm a bit of a dinosaur in that the advice for years was, let's help you save for a down payment. And then to qualify, um, we used to, um, we had, a, I had an email set up where I shoot it out all the time, five independent mortgage brokers that understood the self-employed person, whether you're in music or not in music, and, and saw how your tax returns for the last three years and worked with whatever your profit was. And, um, you know, and, and the fact that you're in this, you know, uh, business that's not so predictable, you know, the, um, the independent mortgage brokers, you'd pay a little bit more interest, but they would take more of a flyer on you. So in the old days, and they still exist, and these, these independent mortgage brokers are still there. Sometimes they take your request right to a real bank, TD Bank, and they might even land it there. So in the end, through the independent mortgage broker, you got a, a TD mortgage. But that's, that's an age old question. How do I uh, afford to be, how, how can I be approved for a mortgage when I'm not making too much money? Well, you probably can't. Parents can guarantee a, a mortgage. And that is a very important thing. If you've got family, friends, or a parent that is, it has proper net worth and is willing to go slightly out on the limb for you, there's your answer. Your dad's guaranteeing the mortgage. Guess what? I'm buying a house tomorrow. Mm, interesting interesting um yeah it was there was an ongoing joke when i moved to toronto how do you know if you're from toronto you still live at home uh, <laughs> that was that was the the joke and, and it was kind of true uh and especially now man the rates are really crazy so i feel for anybody that's thinking and considering buying uh real estate um, Nikki's got a question. Is there a resource available that has a list of music industry specific categories for bookkeeping or accounting? So like, here's a template of line items. Cause I know I had this problem. I'm like, what, where do I put this receipt? I have no idea. And it, yeah, I started yeah. making up my own line items. And then my accountant kind of yelled at me. Well, you have to remember that what we already said, that basic thing, if, a, if money is spent in order to run the business, earn income or try to earn income, that's a deduction. And that's a long list of things. The only thing that's not on that list is personal things. You know, medicine for the baby is not on that list. That's a personal thing. Um, now, I had a checklist. We, we used to hand out um, a checklist, a tax return checklist at, uh, for clients that would prepare 
to drop off their tax stuff for us to do their tax return. And this is for people that weren't incorporated, but ran, ran a business and had income and had expenses. And the most basic of running their business is not even doing bookkeeping. It's having a separate bank account for the business. So everything you earn goes in there and you pay and you pay for everything with uh, 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 check, credit card, debit card or online. Although I hate debit cards. Um, uh, and at the end of the year, what would the client have in order to get their tax return done with us? They need our checklist. We'd ask them, how much income did you receive performing? And hopefully they can go and add up their bank deposits or there's actual slips for royalties. So we have their SOCAN slip or, or whatever, a slip from the States. <clears throat> and, and then we get to the expenses. And this checklist was a long list of every expense category you could imagine that most people don't incur every item, but most of them they do hit upon over the years. And that was a free download from our website. Now, um, our, my old accounting firm uh, still has, I still think still has this tax checklist available for download and it downloads in Excel and there it is. So that, that I think it's on page three, starts this long list of expense categories. And I don't think you could think of anything else in the music business or the performance business that's not on that list. So um, the, uh, my old firm was Gold Entertainment Accountants. If you can find their website, you can find that free uh, checklist with this long list of expense categories. Awesome. And, and uh, just a tip, uh, I remember like back when I was either hosting shows or performing and such, you know, you go play a show and you don't remember stuff so much a week later. So uh, I actually created this sheets. The one was a door sheet and my door staff hated me for it, but checking off every single person doing the math for me in the sense on, okay, X number of people came in, paid this much. And sometimes there was different cover charges depending on times and such, but the math was done on that page end of night and it was in a binder. So then I had a binder with all the sheets and I didn't have to remember it. Like, uh, what did we do last Thursday? It was on the that's, sheet. That's doing you know? tour accounting or tour management. That's a show report. You have to have a show report for every show show the income, show the expenses, because if it's all cash, you don't analyze the bank at the end of the year, this show is missing. <laughs> it's not there. So, uh, so you have to do the show reports and keep them in a binder, like you said, and that needs to be book kept into the books. Yeah. And, and then that doesn't affect the bank. Yeah. And keep all the receipts associated. Like we had meals that day. We took a taxi that day, like everything associated to that show. We then were able to kind of equate, and also that turns into a whole other thing of profitability and all that stuff, but we're not going there. Uh, I wanted to jump to before we lose time here, Jay. Uh, so especially like, you know, during COVID was tough and I got to commend everybody that is here today for one, you're here. This That's an important aspect. You know, it, it shows you take care of your business and your career and, and learning is a very important part, but now it's set up, say, and you're running it, the re reality is sustainability so that you're still here five years from now, 10 years from now with a successful career. Let, let's maybe sort of talk a little bit about, you know, what is sustainability and, and how do you work towards it? Yeah, so there's, there's a few points. You got to run the business properly and then it's going to sustain. 
that means uh, making sure you have a bookkeeper who's doing bank reconciliations, you know, properly. So that whole area is being taken care of. So running the business properly, knowing when to incorporate, is that whole list of 50 topics again, do all that. And you should be able to sustain your business because you're trying to run it properly. So that's the first thing is just run the business properly as best you can. Uh, and then the thing we always talk about, and we mentioned it already, to sustain yourself and keep going, don't let the outflows meet the inflows. Don't, don't, don't start spending money because it's there. So staying on, on, on budget. Oh, now I can sustain my business. So it, it's almost like logic and common sense, but many people still need it, need to hear it over and over, uh, you know, a few times. Uh, when to quit your day job? Well, you can't sustain your small music business if you cut off your main source of income, the fact that you have a bit of a day job going. So don't quit your day job until you, you can replace that with music performing and music income of some type. And then, okay, now I'm gonna sustain my, my artist business. And then constantly networking and growing, which means doing what we talked about, thinking outside the box. Uh, but networking is very, very important. To be co-writing, if you're just a songwriter, um, the key is write with an artist because guess what? You come up with something really good. That's you got to cut on his next album or the next single going to Apple and Spotify. So if you're just a songwriter, don't just write with other songwriters because then you got a challenge. How do you get this to the artist? See if you can network enough to be writing with the artist. And that's always been a bit of a trick, but common sense to me. Uh, how else to sustain yourself is to keep the taxes as low as possible and keep your wealth increasing. Well, that means touring is the big deal these days because, you know, you'll stream a million times a song on Apple and what are you making? 20 or $40. So it's like the old days. Touring is really, really important. Now, if you're a songwriter, you can't tour, but the key is to push to, you know, like we said, commercials and film and TV and, and that type of thing. But um, um, going to the States, you have to do that efficiently if you're touring. That's the central withholding agreement, because if you tour to the States, you're going to lose 30% of your gross to taxes. That means the bottom line is probably going to be negative because you're not making 30% profit and you got to close up and go home. So going, uh, going under um, the central withholding agreement, that's like going under an agreement where you've told the IRS, the U.S. tax department, here's my uh, projected income and expenses on this tour. You see, I'm not making much money or it's a loss. And they'll write back saying, okay, you've given us this complete package with uh, bus contracts, hotel contracts, your tour schedule. We believe you. So we're going to write to all the promoters and people paying you and tell them to take 0% taxes off. Just make sure you file your taxes at the end of the year. And if you do owe taxes, you'll pay it. But if it's like we expected, you won't owe any taxes, but you got to prove it with a year-end tax return. So central withholding agreements, every act that's going to go to the states should make sure they've talked to you know, that industry-specific accountant who helps them get the central withholding agreement, which is an agreement between them, every member of the band, um, the IRS, and a central withholding agent who's, who's in there risking you know, their reputation, but operating for you, taking the withholdings and sending it to the government. Now, just a quick tip. There's uh, some people, uh, uh, Jibby, you're welcome. There is, there is some, some, some people that used to work at the IRS that have a company in the States, Central Withholding Agreements, Inc., I think they're called. And in the, all of the United States at the IRS, there was only nine agents working on Central Withholding Agreements. So it took a long time to get them through. 
So there's these experts, you Google and find them, Central Withholding Agreements Inc. For a very small amount of money, they'll put the whole package together. You have to have done your US tax returns if you toured in the States previously, because they'll check, they'll Google and see, hey, you've been to the States, you never did US tax returns, so we're not giving you a CWA. Well, the Central Withholding Agreement Inc. people will you know, help you get the US tax returns caught up quite cheaply as opposed to finding someone in Toronto where it's pretty expensive to do a U.S. return. So, so that's very important to, you know, sustainability, keep your taxes low, know all about the central withholding agreements, Google it, read about it, and you'll know about them. And the other thing is OPM, which we've done full seminars on with you and at Canadian Music Week all the time, OPM, other people's money. Canada is unique for having, you know, city, you know, local, provincial, and federal grant system available to you through Factor or SoCan Foundation, um, Toronto Arts Council, they're all over the place. And it's very key that you, and I know it's a pain that you want to be a songwriter, but half your day you're, you're doing admin and this kind of thing, but it'll help you check out what, you, what uh, applies to you, what you would qualify for at Factor or wherever. And part of your job is going for OPM, other people's money. Quite often it's not repayable. And why would you not look at this? Because if you have limited money, especially when you're starting out, except from your day job, and maybe you don't have a great day job. So you go for grants. That's, that's uh, part of my job. And uh, a couple of things of what you said there, uh, Jay. Um, one, I'm just going to do a quick plug. Songwriters, our next Indie Weekly next week has some hit songwriters. Simon Wilcox, over 500 million streams, has worked with some of the top artists, so you don't want to miss next week. Also, John Angus from The Trues, really well-known Canadian band. And uh, Hill Corcordis, who is a Juno uh, producer, Juno nominated. I can't remember if she won or not this year, uh, and is on fire. So don't want to miss that. I had to just sort of say that because a lot of what Jay said may roll into next week's discussion a little bit. Um, and and the, there's a few more questions here, Jay. Um, uh, what Jibby, again, uh, about, uh, says here, as a so, if a solo artist owning a single member business is also part of another separate music project, say a band, uh, with members in various locations and uh, with music publishing online for streaming, can the artist collect her percentage of income from the band to her single member business. So as an artist, you're a business, but you're part of a band, which is another business. How, do, how does yeah. that kind of work? Yeah. So you have to decide that that band, you have to decide, is that a partnership or is it a sole proprietorship of someone else? And you're just a line item talent costs. So you have to figure out what is that beast over there? So typically if it's a partnership, a partnership doesn't do tax returns, but it has to create a financial statement. Here's our income. Here's all our expenses. Here's the profit or loss. And then it's allocated partner A, partner B, partner C. And on your tax return, you pick up your share of the profit or loss from, from that partnership statement. And, and that goes on to your tax return in one spot. And another spot on your tax return, you have your own sole proprietorship income and expenses. And the profit or loss there gets added to the profit or loss. Uh, from the partnership all before you get to that line, you know, taxable income before you figure out your taxes. Right. And I, I do want to circle back uh, in Canada. We're very lucky about grants. I got to say yeah. we're so lucky, but 
what Jay's talking about too is when you're setting up budgets and spreadsheets, it's easier for you to go and apply for those grants because they're going to ask you for it. And uh, the other part, Jay, that I know is hard and uncomfortable is keeping books up to date throughout the entire year so that you're not 12 months later trying to go, what did we do in November last year? Like keeping it up to date is, is a tough one, especially if you're on the road, especially if you're writing and you're like, Oh, I got it. It's Friday. And every Friday, the second Friday of the month, that's when I do my books, but I'm supposed to be writing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So here's the solution. We, we have a solution for you. Um, now, if you're doing your own bookkeeping or, or you have an outside bookkeeper, I think the same thing applies. Basically we had our clients, whether they're incorporated or not, they had a business bank account every three months, either digitally get to us or drop off three months worth of bank statements, three months worth of credit card statements that are being paid by that bank account and any paid by cash receipts. And we would write it up every three months and, and we captured it. And at the end of the year, our shelves were full of stuff. And after tax season, most of the summer, we'd be couriering or getting people to pick up their stuff because, uh, it, you know, I know it's more of a paperless digital age now, but that's how it was. Now people can scan and send in bank statements and credit card statements. So they no longer have to, you know, physically drop it off to us. Um, but we do bookkeeping every three months typically. And that way, because at the end of the year, if you ask them, you know, in February, you pay Joe Blow $10. How do we categorize this? What did he do? They won't remember. But every three months, they, you know, it's, it's hot enough and recent enough, they would remember. So keep on top of it every few months is, is the best way to do it. If you want to do it monthly, oh, the bank statement's in, the credit card statement's in, I'm going to write up my books or have my bookkeeper do it. That's even better. So, yeah. you know, keep on top of it. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm realizing I'm guilty. I'm a month behind on that part. I do it monthly, but I'm a month. I, so I got to do two months now, two months. That's. No, I just wanted to mention tried. one thing. I meant one thing. Yes. Everything we're talking about, it's still about the song. You know, you can do all this and have such crazy songs that there's no market for it. No one would want to listen to it. It hurts the ear. Well, it's funny enough, there would be a market for it somewhere. But for the most part, it's all about the song. And almost everybody can write a big song these days. You've got the tools, you've got the lessons, and you've got the courses. So how, how do you be different? Well, you got to have a different image. Your social media has to be, you know, state of the art. Your incredible logo, like I designed Gold Entertainment Accountants. Uh, uh, it was my new business, Gold Music Consultants. A really beautiful logo. I had it in the Juno magazine a few years ago. It's a beautiful logo, and it stands out. It really looks like some huge company because it's such a gorgeous logo and then there's your website so all these things are not your song but you got to be different with your image and you got to keep up that stuff because the problem today is and it's, it's very sad there's so much competition so many songs released every day to spotify and apple and so many so much video hours released to youtube it's like a whole new ball game from not just a month ago, but think of five, six, seven, eight years ago. If you wrote good songs, you, you could make a living in music. Now you can write good songs and you can make one penny. So uh, I, I don't want to be too negative because the cream always rises to the top, but you have to work that much harder now and, and have better, better product. You know, I, right before jumping on this Zoom, I watched 
a video with James Hetfield from Metallica. They're releasing a song a day videos every day this week, just so everybody knows. I'm a big Metallica fan. And the video, he literally said exactly what you said. He said, you have to have a good song. And he's like, you could have the concert, but is it after the concert, before the concert, is it your song that people are dialing into on the radio or in their car, on their playlist? It, are they choosing to play your music? So it is really ultimately about the song. And I know we can get caught up in the business stuff, but it's just business is really important to protect you so that you can keep making the music. And, and it's yes. very important. It's very and important. And then there's the huge tip that all accountants want to mention. And that is do not hesitate to be part of the GST HST system because, you know, in, in Ontario, it's 13%. Well, the GST system means that you are now, if you register for the HST GST system, you're getting a 13% discount in Ontario every time you spend money on your business. You just buy a laptop. That's $350 you'll get back at the end of the year. Never mind 13% of your cell phone for the whole year and guitar strings and, and rehearsal space. And, and you know, every expense typically has an HST or GST in it. So you're allowed to register before you reach 30,000 in sales over 30,000. You have to register. There's no reason to wait. Cause many people, you know, changed accountants to us in the old days and said, Oh, of course I'm not registered. I didn't get to 30,000 yet. I said, are you kidding me? You don't want 13% rebate on every expense. And so we've registered immediately. Now it's an annual registration. So, and it doesn't cost to register. So every year, when the accountant does your personal tax return, they whip off the little HST return. The HST return is this simple. How much HST did I collect? Less the HST paid in my expenses, and that's the payback. And what's left, you send to the government. If it's negative, they send you the money. So it's very clean and simple. Get the advice from your accountant and get registered for HST if you're running a business. Incorporated, not incorporated partnership, they can all register for HST. And that's, that's wealth building, 13% discount on everything is wonderful I, it, back in the old days when i was playing i loved my hst gst checks uh because guaranteed i was paying more than making back in the now here's a, a a quick little hint if you're building a recording studio and registering for hst register quarterly that every quarter you have to you have to file your hst because if you got no income but you're building a studio for a few months there's a lot of expenses and there's HST in it all. You don't, you don't want to wait 12 months to get your HST rebate. So if you're registered just for the first year quarterly, that money will come back quite quickly and help you with your next phase of whatever. We were the bookkeepers for the rebuild of the Alma Combo nightclub. And that's what we did. And every three months, there was these big amounts coming back as rebates because we didn't want to wait till the end of the year. So we were quarterly registered for the Alma Combo to rebuild it and keep getting that HST back because when you're spending that kind of money, the HST is, is massive. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't even, I can't even think of what that, that amount was because Weck was spending a ton of money on the Elmo combo. Millions. Yes. It's certainly state of the art. State of the art. It's like its own city. Uh, Jay, do you have a couple more minutes? I know we're a little yeah, bit. Let, let's, let's do all the questions we can uh, speed dating. Yeah. Okay. So this is from JC, JC. JC's here. We, we uh, hung out at Folk Alliance in Kansas City. Uh, and I believe this is in regards to the Central Withholding Agreements, Inc. Uh, so JC's located in the States. 
So are they open to working with people from the states? Or do they need to? Is he, is he, well, if you're a resident in the States for tax purposes, um, the, the, um, the central withholding agreement typically is for anyone outside of the States. If Got you're it. in the States, you're just running a normal business and CWA is not involved and nobody's withholding taxes from you because you're a music act touring from England or from Canada. So there's no CWAs for people that are resident in the States or corporations. Makes sense. And and my CD baby hat, I know uh, anybody that distributes through us uh, has to fill out a tax form uh, for the States. If you're Canadian. You're um, welcome, JC. Yes. I'm going to jump. Thank you. I'm going to jump here. Uh, and JC, she, uh, JC, uh, great blues artist. I've got her CD that she gave me. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to jump here and I'm going to get back to stuff because uh Kind of keeping on the Canada and U.S. theme. So Victoria says, "Is Master Biz name in Canada and or U.S. as well?" When you're oh, when we're talking about the Master Business License, yeah, that's a Canadian thing, and right now that's an Ontario thing. I'm I'm not too sure if you're located in British Columbia, you need a Master Business License, but you probably do need something like that. And that just lets you, you know, like I said, open up a bank account in that other name other than yourself. And, so and that's a Canadian typical- thing. Yeah, what's the typical cost of, of doing that, Jay? Just it's like free. free. It's free. Awesome. Uh, and then I'm going to jump back to Georgie. Uh, where do we... This is a common question I hear all the time, especially in team building. Uh, where do we find these people? A spe- an industry-specific accountant or bookkeeper? Well, people used to find me um, by uh, Googling um, music account in Toronto entertainment account in Toronto, and you'll get a bunch of choices. You'll see uh, who's, who's specializing in these areas. Awesome. Uh, th- th- and, the, and if you find the right accountant, they'll have bookkeepers in their pocket. That will help you out. Right. Uh, and, and one more last one from Jibby. Uh, thanks, Jibby, for uh, being active today. Really appreciate it. Uh, what if the band members are located in different states? So remember that question of, uh, being a band member that is in another band, what if you're in different states or even different countries? Uh, what does that partnership look like? Do you still need a partnership or each member can run their own single member businesses? Well, if you're in a band and you decide the legal uh, uh, organization structure is a partnership or a corporation, you got to figure that out. Uh, and, but it's the same thing. If you're located in Toronto and you're doing your tax return, you have to report your income worldwide, no matter where you earned it in the world, you have to report it on your Canadian tax return. If you did pay any taxes in any other country, you get a, a foreign tax credit here. So if you're operating in Canada, but you're in, in a band that is based in the States, you're always flying back and forth, back and forth. Well, if that's a partnership, there will be a year-end statement showing in the end your share of profit or loss, converted Canadian dollars at the average Canadian U.S. exchange rate for the year, and pick it up on your personal tax return. So it's, it's very simple when you think of it. I just have to report all my income. Where did I earn it? Oh, I'm a partner in that thing, so I got to get those statements and pick up my part. Um, uh, if it's a corporation, you might have been on payroll or gotten a dividend as a profit distribution. So there'll be paperwork for that. You just collect all this stuff and do your tax return. But that's why the industry specific accountant that I typically recommend and 
because what we were is they have the ability to do U.S. tax returns right here in Toronto in their Canadian accounting office. Then you got one team taking care of, you know, the whole thing. Awesome. Awesome. And, and uh, lots of great comments. Uh, thanking you, Jay, for uh, giving these, these tidbits of information here. Uh, there's one last question. I'm going to do this one because it's Ivan. I know Ivan. Also, we were hanging a little bit at Full Alliance in Kansas. Uh, what to do incorporation-wise when the business is founded at the same time in two different countries, one of them Canada, for instance, and another elsewhere, a partnership through an agreement, incorporation in each country, and income division through dividends? That's a pretty loaded question. Yeah, yeah, it's very complicated, and that's the kind of thing where you, you, you the investment in, uh, maybe not the lawyer, but music lawyer, but maybe in that account we've been talking about whoever that accountant is, that's the person who can help organize it. Because number one, you don't want an octopus of companies. Typically, I would think that you can have a Canadian corporation and it could be partners all over the world in different projects, different, different organizations, uh, partners in, in corporations, uh, partners in partnerships, and, and then, then money, if you're earning any share of profits, they just flow into your corporation and your portage is your income. Right. And uh, just to sort I of always like, like to keep it as simple as possible. Oh, me too. Uh, keeps their oh. accounting fees down because it could get crazy. The wrong accountant will, will have you crazy. I, I, uh, I come from the web digital background and there's a book I just quote all the time and it's called Don't Make Me Think. It's a great book on usability, but I use it in all aspects of business and life because the more you can set it up where, oh, I don't have to think. My receipts go there. My statements go there. That's it. I don't have to remember anymore. Um, I wanted to bring up two stories that's happening in the music world recently. And it kind of relates to some of this business relationships amongst members. Uh, yes, they're on I, like their, I don't know how long their end of the world world tour has been going on. It's at least five years, but they're finally ending. And uh, they've been talking about, well, Ace Freely has been talking about it in, in the public. And uh, one part that he said in one interview really kind of perked my ears up. He's like, I still get money every time they sell merch. I still get paid money anytime they play the songs and such. So that's one thing about how they set up those agreements is that even as he's no longer in the band, hasn't been for a long time, he's still getting merch income because it's his likeness on a lot of the shirts. And it's also part of that sunset clause that people hear about that, you know, you help create something, you leave, you still get to get the fruits of that if you set it up right. Absolutely. And then now the next thing that's been in the public is Mick Mars from Motley Crue is suing the band because he's saying they're not paying enough and they're saying they owe nothing to him. And and one of the things that I, I wanted to ask you your opinion on this, Jay, because I've been thinking about this over the last week, knowing we're going to have this type of discussion. So Mick Mars is out of the band. His income goes from here to here, and there's no retirement fee. There's no like there's nothing set up for like this is the thing in music world. We don't have that typical retirement fund going on. And that's one of the things he brought up in one of the, the statements or was brought up uh, in discussion in that, uh, you know, his income is drastically changed. He was ousted out of the band. And he's not collecting merch money. Um, 
and you got to think like how long ago they've set up and probably renegotiate after their breakup and got getting back together. But let's talk about, I know we've touched on it earlier, but specifically retirement. Okay. So there is no retirement fund for anybody unless you're an employee of the government in Canada. There's a pension waiting for you when you retire, which is typically, or, or you're a teacher. There's a nice pension that builds up. Those are retirement funds that are that you think of as normally when you were lucky enough to have those kind of jobs. Some teachers retire, they're getting 70, 75% of their income, and then they take a small job teaching at a private school. They don't know what to do with all their money. It just keeps coming in. Now, that's why in the music business, it's the exact same as any other business. You have to take care of your personal thing that we were talking about from the beginning. Start saving now for retirement, and that means... Guess what? That means you uh, you um, have sustainability and you successfully manage your finances. You lived each month and this thing built up. So if that's why your accountant will help you meet an investment advisor who every couple of months or every month, some small amount is going into the tax-free savings account in the RSP. This is for your retirement. And over the years, as it builds, you don't take money out. It just keeps getting reinvested. And it goes like this in a graph. Till retirement so you got to build your own retirement no one no one cares about you you have to care about yourself and you got to start really early and then you can't forget about it you got to keep putting it in keep talking to your investment advisor make sure he's on the same page as you i've had clients that refused anything to do with investing in stocks that had anything to do with the war efforts they were very hippie like and they wanted nothing so they wouldn't support any companies that were building tanks or or, or something like that so make sure your investment advisor understands your uh, how you are and the type of person you are and then they'll invest and the goal is to invest just slow growth nice safe stuff and slow growth you know and you know, you know maybe 10% high risk but you want to just nice slow and steady building to retirement boring boring is good in your investment area. I'm going to, I'm going to have to remember that boring is good. Uh, I know I need, that's one area I need to improve on. And uh, Jay, I might, I might give you a call one day. Um, uh, So Jay, I got to say, thank you so much. Uh, Even the chat, there's a lot of thank yous uh, for your time. Uh, You know, we're very lucky to be able to have access to this type of experience. it, it's years of, of working in this industry to be able to answer questions so easily as Jay's done here. Uh, so thank you so much, Jay. Uh, any last comment from you or last tidbit of advice? Yeah. Um, if you want to get, if you're a musician and you want to get to the expert level, you want to just do a little better for yourself. And also that young starting out songwriter, the metadata is all important. Getting your ISRC codes for any commercially released song is so important. Otherwise, you're not going to make any money. Uh, Constantly release songs like we talked about. Embrace social media. You might be an influencer or a brand. You might be both, but but get get your numbers up in in your Instagram followers. And and I know that area has gone crazy as well, but you got to keep that up. Um, And and like I said, touring is the main thing. If you're a music act, just you got to tour. And you can do it locally because you might have a day job, uh, but you have to tour and do shows like that. And uh, of course, like I said, the opportunity is to push your music to film and TV and everywhere else. So Google Music Supervisors Toronto, find out who the best people are 
and and see how they want to receive stuff. You can't just send it in as we've learned from your experts in these sessions, but find out how they like to receive stuff and start submitting your music, exposing it. The only way you can make money is that lots of people are working with it and have it. Awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, Jay, thank you so much for your time. So, so appreciative. Um, I, it's almost like we always need a part two and part three after talking with you because we know that we just scratched the surface because there's so much to, to talk about. Um, a couple of notes I wanted to say before we end the call today. One, uh, I no noted this down because I forgot to say it earlier. ECMAs is coming up. It's in Halifax in, I think, two weeks. And I'll be there. So if anybody on this call is going to be at the ECMAs, hit me up. Let's grab a coffee. It'd be great. Um, and, and as we keep growing our online community, the DIT community, if you're not on there, check it out, DITcommunity.com. We'll start doing meetups in person and, and having these types of sessions uh, when it makes sense. Uh, and I always want to leave with a question. So if everybody can answer this, uh, I asked one about having pineapple pizza before, but do you use a Mac or PC? Are you a Mac person or a PC person? I'm a Mac person. Jay, I don't even have to ask. He's an accountant. He's a PC person. No, I've never owned. <laughs> I've never owned anything but Apple. Oh, I've excellent. never owned because because back back before there was uh, proper Microsoft stuff. It was C backslash something to change disk drives. Oh, I, I didn't know. I'm a pointing and clicking person. I'm so Apple, and I'm, I'm so into Apple owning my Apple stock. Now it's an Apple family. <laughs> Me too. I've been. I'm old. I I I learned on a Mac too. Mac 2 and the Mac 2 Plus. That's how old I am. And, and there was no desktop. It was just a flashing thing and you had to type everything in. You know, with like Excel with Excel and Word, uh, you know, operating in the Apple world or the Microsoft world, it, it, they all talk to each other. For a long time, real estate agents couldn't have Apples because they couldn't get onto their Treb real estate thing board. But maybe that's been fixed now. But uh, I'm so Apple. <laughs> it's, it's looking like our audience is too so far. Mostly Mac. Mostly creatives, Mac. creatives lean that way. Uh, Ivan said he did PC with Prince of Persia saved in a diskette. I remember discs. I remember hacking. I remember he cut the corner of a disc, turn it over, double-sided now. Uh, all right. <laughs> I remember those days. All right. Thank you. Have a great night. Thank you, Jay. My pleasure. Take care, everybody. Stay healthy. Stay safe. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. See you next week. All right, so that does it for another episode of the Indie Weekly Podcast. We thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this. And if you enjoyed these conversations that we share here on the podcast, then I think you would really love coming to the Indie Weekly webinars. Throughout the year, we're having them every Tuesday. They're always at 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's like New York or Toronto time. And it's all about high-level conversations, bringing in experts from all facets of the music and related industries to share their experiences, best practices, tips, advice, really actionable advice with artists. It's all about helping artists boost their own careers, but it's also about community, connecting with each other, connecting with the guests, connecting with Daryl Hurds, uh, who always hosts. And best of all, it's free. So go to IndieWeek.com, hit the Indie Weekly tab at the top of the page and see what's coming up. I think you'd really enjoy it. Certainly worth your time. We'd love to see you there. And last, but certainly not least, before we go, just one more shout out and thank you 
to our wonderful sponsors and funders. Uh, those are Slate Music, CD Baby, CMRRA, Lyric Find, Banzoogle, The City of Toronto, Global Affairs Canada, Ontario Creates, Factor, Seneca College, SEMA, the SOCAN Foundation, and our newest sponsor, Cox & Palmer, who provide legal services in Atlantic Canada. We also acknowledge that this project is funded in part by the Government of Canada. So without the support of all of them, us here at Indie Week, we couldn't do what we do to help out and work for the music community. So big thank you to all those companies, organizations, and government bodies. All right, that does it for another week. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a good one.